All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Allison Steele, and that's the dynamic sound of KISS, one of the newest groups to attain the superstar status so coveted in the world of contemporary music. A position not easy to attain. We'll find out how they did it right after this. Welcome back to your podcast. I'm Ken Mills, one of your hosts here today. And there's some cool stuff going on in the world of KISS. You would think that at some point things would slow down, but if anything, they're getting... It's it's escalating, right, Andrew? Yes, it's, and that's also a really great car, an Escalade. Is actually an Escalade. A... <laughs> there you go. For those who do not recognize the voice on the other end of the call here, it is Andrew Scambetti. How are you doing, sir? I'm good. You know, I'm really glad to be back here. Uh, I'm no stranger to the podcast. I mean, Ken and I, you and I have been talking for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So it's always good to be back here and to the original KISS podcast, which is this one. The oldest and still creaking along. Yes. yes. We're like the ship on the stormy sea. If hope (laughs) is lost, then so are we. Then so are we. (laughs) So before we get into why we're here today, I want to get a plug for your fleet of podcasts now that you're doing well it's just you can log on to kiss my collectibles that's with a k kissmycollectibles.com we do the kiss my collectibles podcast and we've also gone back and started doing kiss my wax shows again the kiss my collectibles podcast is on collecting kiss merchandise whereas the kiss my wax is just on collecting kiss vinyl so uh look us up there follow us on youtube itunes and uh, visit our website, tell us what you like, and tell us what you don't like sometimes. Well, we love what you and Jason Herndon and everybody does over there. Oh, it's, thank you. It's thank fantastic. you very much. And uh, it's, a, it's a good quality show. That along with KISS FAQ, the KISS Room, Podcast Rock City, Pond yeah. of Thunder, KISS World. It's it's just, there's so many. And it's it's great to be part of this tribe, right? Yeah. What I like about it is we all just talk positively about each other and kiss. We're just here having fun. This is our bowling night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. That's true. That's true. Now, the reason that we're here today is because you have created another video. <laughs> it is called Kiss at Midnight. Yeah, yeah. And it's being billed as a 1976 in-concert special, not brought to you by NBC. (laughs) And it will be streaming June 28th on YouTube and Vimeo. So it is out, and you need to watch it. Andrew, what was uh, the, the thought behind putting this together? Well, it goes back almost two years because... When I was creating The Greatest Show on Earth, which is another KISS fan film of mine that you can see on Vimeo right now, Greatest Show on Earth fan film, just look for that. I knew that that was going to be the the KISS movie that never happened. I'm a really big Led Zeppelin fan, and I had been watching The Song Remains the Same, I don't even know how many times. And I was always like, why wasn't there a KISS one? So that's where I created The Greatest Show on Earth. Now, 
with that being my first Kiss project, and these are all unofficial. I, I don't make any money off these. These are not sanctioned by Kiss or anything like that. When I did the first one, I was using all copywritten content, using the audio for a live two, and I just didn't know what I was going to do with it. So it kind of, someone released it, and then I took credit for it. So it, it, it I really didn't have any planning. There was no, there was no push. There was nothing. There's, I wasn't appearing on any of these shows or doing anything like that. So it just kind of came out, and people loved it. After that one happened, I knew after I finished it, I wanted to do another one, and I knew I wanted to use these Cobo Hall January 1976 concerts as the cornerstone. So doing that, doing The Greatest Show on Earth, I finished that, and I was like, well, I'm going to do this next thing, and uh, I was like, I'll start with these Cobo Hall concerts, and it, I just want to do something that Kiss never did that maybe should have happened. So you watch these, and... I hope they're as much of a time war for the viewers as they were for me. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people say, well, why are you doing this? Because there's nothing that we haven't seen already, right? There's a lot of people that, yeah. that, that, that are missing out on the fun of it, right? Yes. Like, like if you, you know, right now we're on a KISS podcast, and before that it was KISS fanzines, and it was kids scribbling on notebooks before that, and some people made comic books, and some people made fanzines, and... The podcast is 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 the the audio kiss fanzine for your ears, and as is every permutation that that it's went on, it's it's just continued to grow. This is something done from a fan's heart for other fans. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a fantastic thing. And if you look at the the logo that you had designed now, now who designed your logo? Uh, I don't know if I, I want to mention his name, but uh, the good folks at Casabuntha.com actually designed mm-hmm. both images for me. They designed the images that was used for The Greatest Show on Earth and this one. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I knew anything I do, I'm going to work with those fine folks because they get it. And they know that this is supposed to feel like Kiss, but it's not supposed to be Kiss. Right, exactly. It's a loving homage, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and again, you know, I'm not trying to to ruffle any copyright feathers. I'm not trying to sell anything. I'm not trying to piss anyone off. I'm just taking stuff that's already widely available. And I list the sources where I got everything from. And I say, you know what? You want to see the full thing? Go out and buy this. You want to support this? Go out and, and buy a Kiss t-shirt or go buy a ticket to the end of the road show. I mean, it's not – I'm not trying to make money and I'm not trying to undermine anything. I'm just – this is just fun. There is a huge community of Star Wars fans that have created Star Wars fan films for years. And to my knowledge, Lucasfilm and Disney has never gone after any of those. It's just people that – take the Star Wars films, they either edit stuff in, they edit stuff out, they change stuff. So if they can do it, I figured so so can I too. And mm-hmm. you know, you put it up there to stream for everyone. I, I never press any copies. I'm never gonna press any copies. It's just giving something it's it's taking something and, and creating an experience, which is what it is. I mean, what's the tagline for the greatest show on earth? It's an experience like never before. And that's mm-hmm. what these are about. That's what these are about. These are about the experience. And I was lucky enough to see this so that we could review it and discuss it in in advance of of recording this show. And it was really like going back in time. This is 1976 here, and it's a Friday night, right? Yeah. And Midnight Special would have been preempted right after Carson. (laughs) And basically what happens is you've turned your TV on and click, there you are, NBC. 
You even bring in commercials, and we see some uh, familiar friends along the way. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to ruin it too much, but Tom Snyder makes an appearance. <laughs> when I found that, I knew I had to use it because anyone who is a New York area cat like myself, they know that Tom Snyder was a newscaster before he had his formal talk show. So I knew once I found one of these old Tom Snyder things, I had to use it. And it's exactly what you said. You're turning this on. This is a Friday night in 1976 where we're looking at this. And I even went as far as using the 1976, the NBC logo on there. And just to make it look like this could have been a TV show. So that, that was the whole thing behind it. I wanted this to be the TV special. Again, you're taking pieces from history. And there's Alison Steele, the Nightbird herself. Tell us a bit about that recording and how you mashed it together with the video. Well, I'll talk to you about two things regarding that. Number one, the age we live in where we need these strong female role models. I mean, it's appalling to me that no one says Alison Steele. I mean, she was so ahead of her time and her radio shows were so cool. And she had a passion for music and mm -hmm. You know, we need someone like that in, in today's day and age who has this passion and she had this this sultry voice. And, and, and you know what? It, you know, she she's always in my, my top five radio disc jockeys of all time. Mm -hmm. Big tip of my hat to her. She was born in 1973 and rose to the pinnacle in just two years, a headline booking at Detroit's Cobo Hall, which sold out in record time. On this show, the night bird flies where the action is.
Gene and I have known each other for uh, probably about six years. We met through a mutual friend. We, we uh, started playing together. Uh, we were looking in Rolling Stone, and there was an ad in the back of Rolling Stone. Drummer will do anything, something of that sort. And it, it was Peter. So uh, the three of us started rehearsing, and after about four months of rehearsals, we put an ad in the paper in the Village Voice. And it said, uh, band seeks lead player with flash, etc. And about 25 or 30 people came down, and one, one of the last ones was Ace. As far as style, he appealed immediately, but he was a little weird. <laughs> it really was, and, and I was kind of hesitant. I said, let's, let's sleep on it for a week. You know, I was a little scared of him, but he worked, you know, worked out great. The weirdness that Paul was afraid of actually became the key to the successful image of the group. And none of it was any accident. Each costume in the entire show was carefully worked out before it was sprung on an unsuspecting New York. Even though New York in the year 73 was in the midst of a glitter rock trip, they were relatively unimpressed with such an outrageous assortment of characters. Gene, the vampire type whose tongue confounds even those spectators in the balcony. Peter Chris as a whiskered pussycat. Ace Freely as the silver-eyed spaceman is not exactly your average boy next door. And Paul Stanley's star-eyed sex symbol had never been even fantasized before. Do you feel right? What started this is I actually, a couple months back, and this is, the project was still in its infancy because I was still doing stuff with Greatest Show on Earth. A couple months ago, I uh, interviewed John Humphrey for one of my shows, and John Humphrey had mentioned he purchased this thing called 13 Biographies, and it was a, an hour-long special that Allison Steele hosted, and she was talking about Kiss, she interviewed the guys, and she played music in between those, so you had like, it, it was released in um, early 1977. So it went all the way up to rock and roll over. Uh -huh. So she'd be talking and then there'd be things like that and there'd be music fading in and out. So some of the time she'd be talking over certain songs or some of the times it'd just be her interviewing the band. So I listened to this and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, this would have been great to kind of work into the greatest show on earth. And then I go, now, you know what? This needs to be its own thing. So I listened to the special. I'm not kidding you a hundred times. I'm not even exaggerating one bit i dissected it i listened to okay well she's talking over this song so i probably can't use this but this is this is a, a you know her speaking over a blank bed so i could use this and i could use that so i picked it apart and i took apart everything in there that was just her talking and this and that and then i says well i'm going to create a special around this this radio special i'm going <clears> to <throat> i'm going to create a visual medium for to this radio show so i took all the band interviews that i could and you know for those that watched it i'm sorry ace freely was not is his voice at least was not involved in this special so if you never see if you never hear ace's voice it was never in the original special sorry just one thing i want to say that let me bend over and pick this up for you but you, <laughs> you dropped this name john humphrey yeah and of course the proper way to say that is john humphrey of the rock group caesar <laughs> <laughs> 
So, <laughs> yeah, and, and formerly of the Nixons. Yes, formerly of the Nixons. They, they've had a nice bit of rebirth as well. Yeah. What a great guy. What a great guy. And uh, we, we love him here. He's, he's a great friend to all of us in the KISS community. And yeah. it's a great guy. So yes. shout out to John. Shout I just out, figured, big shout out to John. I just figured I'd pick that name up and dust it off since you dropped it. So, <laughs> Well, but it's, I mean, he's the one that turned me on to this. I had always heard that there was another Allison Steele special because there is one from 1974 where she interviews the four guys in KISS. And I actually used some of those interviews in mm-hmm. The Greatest Show on Earth. So, but I heard this and I was like, this is too cool not to do something with. So I, I, I drilled down and I got all the stuff that I could use, you know, because there were times where like there's this interview where Paul is talking and it's literally the end of Black Diamond from the studio record. So I knew I couldn't use that because if I were to drop that in, it, you, it would, it wouldn't sound right. You'd be hearing, a, you know, things at once. So I just got the things that I know that I can use. And then I said, well, if I'm going to use this, I don't want to duplicate any content that I did on the greatest show on earth similar to how kiss didn't want to use the same tracks on alive and alive too mm-hmm. so I, did, I didn't want to duplicate anything so I figured I'm going to set this thing in 1976 and what better way to start that but by using those great 1976 concerts that have been released all across official kiss products you have mm-hmm. uh kissology volume one has cobalt hold night two proper on it and then there's a bonus disc for night one and then across all the official KISS videos, KISS frequently had sampled Cobalt Hall Night 3. So I took, well, I say, what's available for Night 3? And I use that as my starting point. I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the concert footage from all three nights. I'm going to painstakingly sync the, everything to the audio from the second night because that's the, the audio I determined was best. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to cherry pick the best shots and I'm going to make this a really cool special. So while it's concert footage is weaving in and out, it's kind of telling these cool little interview blips on how Kiss got started. And it, it paints a really cool picture. It's like this could have aired. This should have aired in 1976. Imagine if you had sat down and saw this before you had seen the Paul Lind Halloween special. Would have been great. Would have been awesome. So I knew, I, I knew right then and there, I knew what it was, I knew what I wanted to do, but it, it took a long time, a long time. Kiss did not fall in with the Glitter Rock set, though. They were too serious, too dedicated, too convinced that what they were doing was not kitsch, but art mixed with music. The image they create is not an easy one to maintain. Gene says... It takes about an hour of actually putting the stuff on but uh it takes a little bit longer than that to kind of get ourselves in the same frame of mind uh i guess what we do is the same thing that a football team does uh before they get up on stage you know kind of spurring themselves on you know come on let's go out there and really show them what we're all about let's show them what a real rock and roll show is about
feels that a good deal of their success is based on the fact that they do work hard, and the audience knows it. Peter Chris says, I think we give ourselves everything, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. I really do. You know, I know I do. I give him my heart. I give everything I got. You know, I, I, I literally take a heart attack up there for, for the audience. And maybe they know that. Maybe they could sense it. And maybe that's our secret. One of the things that I love about KISS is that they fire up our imaginations. I mean, you, you mentioned Star Wars earlier, and there's things like the Beatles and Alice Cooper and Cheap Trick and Star Trek and all of these things. They inspire creativity in their fans, whether it's dressing up as the show or the band or a band member or even doing what we're doing right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's always been a fantastic thing to see this fan byproduct, right? Because there's yeah. Kiss and there's le the, all the legitimate stuff that they do. But I think of some of the favorite things that have been released over time have been things that were fan creations, right? Yeah, yeah. There are great fan. There are great fans that have done books. There are are fans that have gotten things licensed. But um, when you have a real passion for something, it shows. It really shows. So, you know, I, this is not official. I wish it was. I, I'm assuming at some point somebody in the KISS camp will see it. I hope they like it. I really do. And I hope they understand that this is coming from the heart. It's not – I'm not taking a shot at anyone. I'm not trying to rewrite history. I'm not trying to make money, as I said. I'm just – I'm trying to – I want people to to love Kiss the way that I do, and I want my feelings about the band to translate to someone else. That's the purpose behind these. Yeah, yeah. If 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 anything, it is a loving looking glass yeah. at something. You know, you're actually f focusing uh, on the band and what could have been and maybe what should have been. I know that maybe this might have changed some of their career in a way, right? Yeah, I, I do. I mean. You had a Bill Coin, their original manager, had a background in TV. So for me, these were missed opportunities. Or is, wait, so hold on. Yeah. We have a patented thing here that we use. It is kissed opportunities. Kissed opportunities. Ting, trademark. <laughs> King, yeah. Right. yeah I, a, I, owe you a, I owe you a couple bucks now. <laughs> but that's that's another kissed opportunity right there. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the logo, and I'm actually wearing a shirt that kind of goes with it. Remember the. <laughs> Folks, remember those black light posters that came out in the 70s with the pinkish background and yeah, there yeah, was yeah. that rainbow color thing? Yeah. And if you go back to one of Kiss's first appearances on TV, it's also got that rainbow, right? And what Casa Buntha did with the logo, they're actually keeping that early TV appearance with the rainbow there. It's really symbolic of, of those early times. It was such a... When you saw that logo... Did it blow your mind? Did it trip it, you up? It, it really did. I mean, we worked together on it for just no, not very long because we see eye to eye when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I said, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I kind of want to do. And, and here's what I'm trying to say with this. And uh, they came back and with that. And there was minimal work that was done with it. There's actually a version, which if you go back to some of my previous posts, where the KISS logo was there. But then I was like, you know what? I I really don't want to use the KISS logo. So right. I think this this really kind of says it. It it has the S design from the greatest show on earth. It just it, it looks cool. It looks like something that was created back then. And Absolutely. that's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, KISS a minute. It's a nod to the Midnight Special. 
but it's also a nod to Dress to Kill because this was supposed to be the album title before they settled on Dress to Kill. Mm. Kiss so, at Midnight. Kiss at Midnight. And there's a couple, there's an article, uh, I can't remember which which version, someone out there will tell me. There's a, an issue of Cream Magazine that I just bought not too long ago that the article title is called Kiss at Midnight. So I thought that was kind of cool. It, it's so funny. Like I, after I, I knew what the project was going to be named, I find articles using the same, mm-hmm. using the same tag. And then there's another magazine from I think it's the Best of Kiss from 1979 where I open that up and it says Kiss is the greatest show on earth. I go, oh man, that's so cool because <laughs> you know it just it it lets me know that I'm trying to replicate the 70s, and without even knowing it, I I'm doing a good job at it. Without even knowing, I'm ripping them off. I'm doing things that have already been done in the 70s. But uh, it, it lets me know that uh, I'm focused on the right things and focused mm-hmm. on the right feelings to, to recreate this. Of course, I have to go on record as a, as a KISS fan. We, we have to say that you came up with the original logo and Casa Buntha refined it. <laughs> refined it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, it, it might be the other way around. Uh, they came up. <laughs> they came I they came up with it and then I like refined it like they did eighty per they did ninety five percent and I did five percent right. you know if, if you know they uh, I, I'm not a I'm not really a, a a great graphic designer I'm more of a video guy so so they they did a great job in in doing that and I'm, I'm so thankful that uh, that they offer their services like that because it's cool. Uh-huh. And and they're actually there. This one, there's actually they're in the credits of this one too. So I I asked them if it was okay to credit them. So I I did. I saw that. I noticed that. This this is like a professional thing, folks. So when you sit down and watch this, and I encourage you to see it as soon as you can, because the last video, the greatest show <laughs> on earth, sadly got dinged on YouTube, and I don't know if it'll ever make its way back to YouTube. But right probably now, not. Yeah, probably not. And and it was funny when I initially uploaded it. Um, I obviously got you know all the audio was infringing in the copyright is alive too, but they still let it stay up there, and. What took it off when they finally blocked it and took it down, it was footage of Stan Lee that they said it was infringing. So right after Stan Lee passed, it looks like his estate, you know, popped me for it. Mm. So um, that's and I still have the time code. I still have the email. So YouTube did take that down, but it is on the greatest show on earth is still on Vimeo. Uh, Vimeo is kind of a more professional video platform. You have to pay to become a member of it. So I pay and I use Vimeo quite a bit. So I'm putting it out on both platforms at the same time, just because in case YouTube goes down, it's going to be right there on Vimeo. Right. So I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm really hoping it doesn't because I really want everyone to see this and enjoy this. The project again is called Kiss at Midnight. Kiss at Midnight. The 1976 in concert special. Not brought to you by NBC. Not brought to you by NBC. But I, I urge everyone just to sit down with a cold beverage of your choice or a big bowl of popcorn and just enjoy this. Yes, you've seen all the footage before. Yes, I took the footage from a bunch of different places. There's nothing new in here. There's nothing that's going to blow your mind as far as unreleased footage goes. That wasn't the purpose of this. The purpose of this was to create a feeling and take you back to 1976. Because, you know, Ken, you're a little bit older than me. You lived in these times. These times were, were rich in culture and rich in substance. Mm-hmm. No one was staring at the phone, the screens of their phones. And, you know, although we do love how easily we can all can communicate now, but none of us were staring at our phones and, and being zombies. This was you went outside and you 
hung out with people and you created memories. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to a time where you could do that. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, if you, if you love it, if you love this special, share it with your friends. But if you love it that much more, go and buy a Kiss t-shirt or go and send a message to kissonline.com and tell them, hey, I saw this and then I went and saw the band. I, I saw this and, and I bought, you know, some playing cards or I bought the new action figure toy company figures or I went and bought the Mego dolls that have just been re-released at Target stores. Mm-hmm. So we Absolutely. could we could send a message to the band to let them know that there are fans that would do this stuff and there's a market for this stuff because it's it's appalling that the last archival concert release for Kiss was in 2007, 12 years ago. 12 years ago. Mm. So watch it and create a revolution. Start a revolution. By the time Dress to Kill came out, it was a foregone conclusion that none of the members of KISS would ever appear without that makeup. And they never do. They won't even do an interview unless they are totally made up. Now, they all express amazement that any of their fans can recognize them. But obviously, fans have a way of becoming familiar with their idol's face. Peter, at one time, made an observation that he's become so accustomed to his new face, he thinks he may have it tattooed on. Another of the sensational bits in the KISS act had never been done on a stage before. Peter Chris, drums and all, when the music of Black Diamond, also from the first album, came to a crashing crescendo, would levitate eight feet into the air. The audience would sit there totally dumbfounded, at first believing eyesight failure or overindulgence to be causing hallucinations. But no, Peter and the drums would be going up, 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 amid the incredible level of the music and the frenzied feedback from the audience. Yeah. 
popularity with a mass audience provides a group with the confidence to venture into unfamiliar territory, KISS should be able to attempt anything from a nursery rhyme to a symphony with ease. But we'll talk more about their future plans in a moment. Listening to that, and believe me, folks, you want to see this because you've done some really nice work on this, and uh, you've actually went in, not only did you cherry pick from the best of the three nights, but you also did some color enhancements that really pop. I've seen the comparison where some of the nights looked a little more washed out than other nights, and you've went in and you've tweaked this up so it looks vibrant and electric and alive. Yeah, basically what I did is these concerts, they were kind of semi-remastered for the VH1 and KISS box sets, KISSology. Mm-hmm. So I kind of use that as the gold standard. People can complain all the time that they were too dark or, or whatever have you. I never listened to any of that crap. But I wanted the concerts to look the same. So I went in and I tried to make them look as similar as I could. So I went in and after I had cherry picked the shots that I wanted to use, then I went back in and I color corrected them to make them all look like they were. I mean, there's a picture that I posted of Ace from Black Diamond where it was from the third night and it, there was it was very washed out. It was very gray. And I believe that came from the Kiss My Ass video mm. or the DVD rather, whatever have you. And uh, it just didn't look good. So and it was very jarring. Like you'd be watching the show and then it would cut from like the second night to the third night. And you're like, well, that looks it looks totally different. So uh, you almost can't. It almost looks like it's the same show. Like it was all shot at the same time, at the same night. And you can't even tell that I'm going back from, you know, I'm switching back and forth from nights. You almost can't tell. Excellent. I don't want to shine your apple too much or make you smile too much, but it reminded me of the first time I saw Kiss on Midnight Special back in the day. Really? Really? That's 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 very cool. I mean, Ken, you're, you're one of the lucky ones. You You saw this almost before anyone. And um, I wanted to make sure that uh, before we talked about it, you you saw it. So uh, so this is this is this is very cool. And I, I I don't take this stuff lightly. I don't let it go to my head when someone says that they reminded them of this time or they say they've enjoyed it. I mean, this is just, I mean, it, it, it's awesome. It it makes me feel good and, and it makes me want to do more things. You know, so that way we could have more kiss specials. You know, to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I want to mention for, for people who want to hear more about Alice and Steele, if you go back to podcast number 13 from February 9th, 2009, you can check out a special all about Alice and Steele. So that's podcast 13. I loved what you said earlier about how she was such a strong voice and more importantly, a strong voice that came from a woman, right? Yeah, yeah. She was just the coolest and there's that fantastic special where she had lunch with kiss yes and i know that you've seen that but 
I cannot tell you how it was to be at that time. Like I, I, So many times in the last couple of weeks, I've been saying, boy, if only 13-year-old Ken Mills could have seen this then. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, for example, I was watching a video of Kiss rehearsing, and they actually rehearsed the song live, and then there's one point where you hear them playing along to Love Em, Leave Em, right? Yep, and then yep. you realize, wait, I'm watching them do the choreography for the video that became Love Em, Leave Em. Yes, you're right. You're right. And it's like, oh, my God, you know, if uh, if only 13, 14, 12 year old Ken Mills could have seen that, you know, and this project, A Kiss at Midnight, is is exactly the kind of thing I would have loved to have seen. And this is the kind of thing that if it were to have happened, this would be spoken of right alongside with the Tom Snyder. Yeah. Kiss Halloween interview. Kiss meets the fan of the park. and. The Paul Lind appearance, the Midnight Special stuff, all that stuff that, that we have been living with through a grainy VCR <laughs> passed uh, down I'll, from generation to generation. I'll do you one better. I know a guy who had a cassette recording that he just put his boombox up to the TV speaker when it was happening. And that's what he had growing up, a yeah. cassette recording of a TV airing. Me too. And, uh, you know, there were no such things as boombox, really. They were. You had those little click things. You just plop, you know, the, the, you yeah. hit the two buttons at the same time. Yeah. And it starts recording. Yeah, and that's how, for years, I would list. That's how I came up with my Gene Simmons imitations, because <laughs> you would hear him do, like, groovy guys and groovy gals, that kind of thing. And then there was this other Gene Simmons that showed up in Cleveland at Cosmic Comics, and he did that, you know, that whole thing. And it was like, wow, how, how come he sounds like an English teacher now, you know? Because before he growled and sounded like a madman, and then all of a sudden he started sounding like a school teacher. So, yeah, but, and then it would freak me out when I would listen to Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. And, and, he'd be, and he's back to growling. <laughs> that and Peter Chris now sounds like uh, the guy who does the Dairy Queen commercials, right? So, yeah, they were, they were amazing times. I think the guy that did that was um, the guy that did Aquaman's voice. Am I right on that? The guy that, that actually voiced Peter Chris in Kiss Me, Phantom? I know he played Duke on uh, G.I. Joe. But I remember seeing the Dairy Queen commercial come on. Yeah, the gentleman's name is Michael Bell. Yes. I remember I would see that Dairy Queen commercial, and I'd, I'd look around like, Peter Chris, where are you? Peter Chris, where are you? You know, and uh, <laughs> fun times. It's great. You know, this is this is something that you this is really like going back in time, right? This is this is like finding uh, uh, something better than a dusty old VCR because it looks so good, right? You hit you hit the nail on the head. You your reaction to this and what you're saying about it was exactly what I wanted people to say. You actually said something really cool too. I don't know if you remember this, but you you had watched it and you were like, "Man, I had to get out of bed to go and watch this on the TV." Because, you know, people are going to watch this on their phones or their tablets, but you're like, man, I had to get up and I had to go and watch this on a, on a big screen. So when someone says that about something that I did, that's just, that's the greatest thing someone could say. This, this drinky dink phone wasn't good enough. I had to see it, you know, on the big screen. Mm -hmm. um, so that it, that it, it's so, it's so cool when, when you do something like that and, uh, and people enjoy it the way you want them to. Uh, I'll tell you a, a quick funny story. I, I had worked on the greatest show on earth. It was actually about 11 months the greatest North took me to make from when I actually thought of the idea and then I, it actually, you know, was finished. 
So I'm working on this for months and months and months. And, and, you know, I have a really nice studio set up, so I'm not like looking at a tiny screen or anything like that. But I remember the very first time that I was done enough where I could watch something like pretty substantial. I think it might have even been the whole the whole the whole thing without the credits. The opening and closing credits. I remember, so I sit down, I, I, I put the DVD in there, and I sit down at my TV, and I'm watching this thing, and uh, I, I had my roommate at the time, she's not a Kiss fan, but um, she comes in, she's watching it, and she leaves, and she comes back, and then I'm sitting on the couch, and she's like, well, well what's going on? I'm like, I just, I just made the greatest Kiss thing ever, and she goes, <laughs> no, you didn't, and I was like, listen, this is, this is no crap, I mean... It's not, I'm not saying because I made it, but I made something great. So then she goes, all right, whatever. And then I remember I showed it to somebody else and someone else was like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And I was like, I know. And, and I, I wasn't, it wasn't me being, uh, you know, egotistical or like, oh yeah, I know I made the greatest. No, it, I was, it, I was jazzed that not only did I make it, but it, it, it exists now. Like this was nothing and now it exists so I, I was jazzed to do that. And I got the same feeling when I watched this from beginning to end. And, and I was able to kind of really dissect it because these take, these take quite a long time to make. I mean, I'm only one guy. I can't send this out to a team to make sure that, oh, is this color corrected or is this here? No, it's me watching it over and over and over and over. And, and I, I've watched them so many times that by the time they actually come out, I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to see it ever again. <laughs> and, uh, but I got that same feeling with Kiss at Midnight that I did with Greatest Show on Earth. So I really hope that people dig this one as much as they did the last one. I really do. Excellent. Well, I want to thank you for taking uh, 13-year-old Ken Mills back in time. <laughs> that's what it's all about, man. That's That's really what it's all about. So do yourself a favor. If you've got a TV linked up to YouTube, when this comes out, watch it on the big screen. It's, it's definitely worth your time. Yeah. And, and uh, for anyone listening to it that might have trouble finding this, um, it will be Kiss of Midnight fan film on YouTube. And in the description in YouTube will be a link to Vimeo. So it, hopefully no one has to search too long and hard to see it. So I hope it stays up on both platforms as long as it possibly can. But uh, I'm going to just blanket every place with links. So hopefully everybody could watch it that wants to. And as usual, check the show thread for links. It'll direct you right where to go. Awesome. Less than two years ago, Kiss came to Detroit. And now they've sold a million records. The fourth Kiss album called Alive, a live recording, was the one to really break the band. They'd been well received. All the albums had sold well. But when a group really takes off, it's an unmistakable happening. Looking at KISS and their highly stylized production, one can easily wonder, can the group sustain success? There will be detractors, like the ones who say, they're just a glitter band full of stage tricks. Take away all the gimmicks and what would they be? Peter believes. There might come a day when we won't use nothing but just a plain stage and, and music. She walks by 
plus factors KISS seems to have going for them. In addition to being good musicians, attractive men and imaginative performers, is they have been able to accept this sudden success without changing. You kind of get the feeling that they deserve the success they've achieved and that they deserve to be around for a while, and they will. thank you for coming on the show and talking about that but i'd like to touch on a couple kiss subjects if it's okay with you absolutely anything for you ken okay right now it seems like this is the year where a lot of things in kiss that necessarily weren't celebrated all that much by fans are now being celebrated right like for example this is the summer of dynasty it's 40 years and here we are and there's you've got the the all the merchandise coming out now and uh, you've also got the uh, the green vinyl that yeah. came out, and yeah. uh, it's it's just amazing. What do you think it is that I I even think that like Unmasked is getting more love than it's ever had. I think the Elders getting more love than it's ever had before. What do you think it is now about these uh, Kiss is always focused on just the things that were really super successful, right? Like, for example, you've never heard, well, this is the son of Dynasty when they talk about the new album that might be coming out. They always talk about this is this is the son of Destroyer, right? Yeah, yeah. What do you think is making it now that this is the summer of Dynasty, for example? I, I don't know. I don't know what's making it. I think there just has been a, a retro resurgence across the board. And I think people are paying more attention to anniversaries because there are books out about everything in the sun. So I don't think this is localized just to kiss. I think you have a lot of people going back and looking back at history and celebrating history more. So I think I think now that we have all this information at our fingertips, we can celebrate things easier. I mean, there was a time where no one even knew when Dynasty came out. Mm-hmm. So I think that Kiss tested the waters quite a bit with the Kisteria box set, celebrating the whole catalog we releasing it on vinyl. I think at that point they knew that, well, we're going to celebrate this here. We could celebrate the other albums too. You know, they mm-hmm. celebrated the solo albums. They celebrated Rock and Roll Over, the first Kiss record, Dynasty, and who knows what's coming next. I mean, these, these are cool projects for the fans, and they're kind of like a boutique item. You know, they're not printed in mass quantities. They're, you know, it's almost direct to consumer. You know, you, you have people that, a smaller group that's buying these things. So I think 
with the resurgence of everything retro and having a great online fan community kind of lets you tap into what people want or what they talk about. So I think once people knew that, well, if the first album sold off rock and roll over, so let's see about Dynasty and let's see about this, let's see about that. So there's probably definitely more coming. And um, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's other projects getting love. I just think the history is finally getting the love it deserves. Don't you mean history? History, history. Yes, dang. I knew it. 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 After, as soon as you said that, I knew that that's where you were going with that. I knew By it. the way, I noticed that you slipped in the word en masse earlier. <laughs> yeah. That's a big word like, like gymnasium. gymnasium. Like exactly. Gymnasium. Yeah. Which is the biggest word for all KISS fans. It's, it's <laughs> supercalifragilisticexpialidocious is not as big a word as gymnasium, according to Gene Simmons. So. <laughs> now we you know we mentioned that there was the green vinyl of dynasty and i understand some people aren't getting posters which kind of sucks for them do you know anything about that it's weird i mean there's a couple of there's like the direct to consumer market then there's like the sound of vinyl then there's the kiss i i think that they're just coming from a different place mm-hmm. or it just might have been an error I know my co-host Jason Hurden, he worked really closely with vinyl distribution, so Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll ask him. But, um, you know, I I skipped out on this one just because I just purchased the 2014 reissue of Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And um, I just, um, it's just, it's it's not on my list right now. I mean, they re-released Double Platinum. I will buy it 50 times. I love that collection. And Mm -hmm. I love the package. What is it you love so much about that? The package. And it was one of the first pieces of kiss that I ever had in my life. I got a video of me where I'm dancing. I'm probably no more than three years old and I'm dancing on rock and roll and I put in the back, you see the double platinum record. So it's one of the first things I saw and it was just, it was so shiny. I was like, Whoa, this, what is this? This is cool. And I just, I loved it from the moment I saw it. Mm-hmm. Well, see that needs to be your sit Ubu sit production card thing. Is you <laughs> dancing as a little kid? Uh, you know what? There's uh there's another Kiss project that's in the works. Mm. Um, regarding the uh, end of the road tour, I shot a bunch of footage. Not of it's not Kiss footage. Uh, it's like footage of my experience of the show, and and it's kind of like this is my journey on Kiss's end of the road tour. So mm-hmm. there's there's that. So I and, and I'm gonna I'm kind of I'm gonna use that footage, like me, like my personal footage, to kind of tell my Kiss story up until and including the end of the road. So I'm going to save it for that. Mm-hmm. I, don't want, uh, I don't want that to be used before that. <laughs> okay. Now, one thing about all the vinyl reissues, I know you're a big vinyl guy. I'm not I so am. much a big vinyl guy. I, it was something I loved at the time, and I wouldn't trade any of that for the time, but it, you know, I live in a more modern age, and it, it's not for everybody. But mm-hmm. you mentioned that this is kind of a boutique kind of experience, right? It, yeah. But... Let me ask you this, does with all the different variations and variants, does it take away from the specialness of the early Kiss product or do you feel that it enhances it? I feel like it enhances it because um if someone's going to buy the Green Dynasty vinyl, they're going to go and probably look for the black one too or they're going to look for this one too. I mean, I think I think everything works together. So, I think it's going to um it's going to make those things more special. So, because I mean, if you're a collector, you gotta have green, you gotta have black, you gotta have red, you gotta—I mean, you know—you gotta have it all. So, I think releasing another another variation is just going to make um, us look at it that much more harder. 
All right. Well, the one that almost sucked me back in was the recent one for the solo albums. Listen, I I have had to sit myself down and tell myself not to buy that because yeah. I have so many solo albums already. Right. So many. But these ones are colored. And I know. They I came know. with a, a mat for your turntable. And yeah, I had to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, where I'm like, don't buy it. But it's so cool. It's so cool. <laughs> so, you know, I've got this exclusive Kiss egg timer here that <laughs> is set up for the end of the road. And I'm going to, we're going to do two minutes on the, on the Kiss Mr. Speed egg timer. And I'm going to ask you questions. All okay. Right? And you're just going to rapid fire answer. Okay. Okay. All right. You've not, you're not prepared for this at all. No, not at all. Okay. So this could be. The worst segment ever, or the best, but here we go. Or somewhere in between. All right, here we go. <laughs> We're starting the Kiss Egg Timer. I'm cranking it up. There we go. Uh, Andrew Skimbetti, worst Kiss album of all time? The Elder. Why The Elder? Uh, it was an unfocused Kiss, and you had a hard rock band playing music that sounds like Sticks. Nothing wrong with Sticks, but Sticks ain't Kiss. Mm-hmm. Worst Kiss song? Ooh, Mr. Blackwell, also from The Elder. I just think it was supposed to be God of Thunder in 1981, and it sounds silly. I'm going to give you an eh, because you didn't go with Nothing Can Keep Me From You or oh, I, oh yeah, or, or your favorite song off Psycho Circus. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about those. I hate those so much, I don't even think of them. Finally found my way to you. So those are probably pretty much your least favorite three, right? Oh, yes, without okay. a doubt. So we've already figured that out. Yeah. Best Kiss Costumes, period. Love Gun. First time I ever saw Kiss. When I saw them on Phantom of the Park, they were the coolest of the cool. And Kiss agrees because when they came back, they chose those costumes. Mm-hmm. If there were a Kiss soft drink that were made, what would it be made out of and what would be its flavor made? It's got to be root beer. And it's and it, they actually do make it. It's called Gene Simmons Moneybag Soda. Get yours today at moneybagsodas.com. Gene will love you for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> worst Kiss costumes. Worst Kiss costumes, it's probably a mixture between The Elder and Sonic Boom. I just thought both time periods were unfocused and was just a whole lot of, let's just throw this together. Mm, okay. Worst piece of Kiss merchandise that you spent a lot of money on? Oh, man. Probably those McFarlane action figures in the late 90s, early 2000s. Everyone thought they were going to be so sought after and so rare, and now you can't give them away. You mean the ones that had like the kiss letters with it and like yes. Ace had these tubes coming out of his yes, not bands? Not good. Your favorite member, Kiss? Gene Simmons. Okay, there you go. Well, that there we did it. We did it. Ah, get your blood flowing. You've abs- <laughs> you've, you've won absolutely nothing but making an ass out of yourself. But that's, oh, I do that for free all the time. That's right. So there you go. That's that's the prize today, folks. Yeah. What's what's coming up for you folks over at your various Kiss podcasts? So we're we are pimping out Nicholas's Nicholas Buckland's new book, The Hottest Brand in the Land. You can get it at hottestbrandbook.com. And uh, you can order that. It's the history of Kiss merchandise between 1977 and 1980. It's the coolest of the cool. So we're talking more about that book, and we're just releasing cool Kiss content, talking about Kiss, talking with other collectors. I mean, we're just we're having a ball. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Yeah. We'll uh, put a bird in his ear to come on the podcast, and we'll oh, talk about his book. So Absolutely. 
Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. This, you've been here with us since pretty much the beginning. It's the beginning, and, and it's always a pleasure to come back, and thank you for having me, and thank you for inspiring me to do my little podcasts and inspire me for doing this. I mean, I just I still remember working for the old public school system in New Jersey and listening to you and Gary on some of those original podcasts. Mm -hmm. I really do. So, so that, that put me where I am today. So we have helped warp your mind. You have helped warped my mind. You definitely yeah. have broken something in there. Is the show still good? Absolutely. Is the podcast still good? Yes, because there's still so much to talk about, and you can tell that you guys still have fun with each other, and that's what it's about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, do, we do make each other giggle, and yeah. it's, it's great to be part of this. And, of course, we want to let everyone know to come see us out at the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo. We will be there. Matt Porter will be there. All of us will be there. And we hope to meet you and see you. And it was it was great last year hanging out with stars and Ron Keel and everybody. It was fantastic. I think I'll be there too. I'm not serious? Yeah, I think. I think I think. Um I do have a day job that takes a lot of my time. So uh we'll see. I'm a sideways thumb. It's I'm I'm not a thumbs down, I'm a sideways thumb. Hot. Yeah. It's just so it could happen. It shoved happen. right in there sideways. Yeah. Hot. Rockin' Pot is back. The annual celebration of rock returns to Nashville. This convention brings together the best rock stars, music podcasters, vinyl and memorabilia vendors, and rock fans from all corners of the globe. Special guests include Michael Sweet of Striper, Brian Forsyth of Kicks, Jason Beeler of Saigon Kick, Erie Vaughn of Danzig, and members of Exodus. Roxy Blue, Every Mother's Nightmare, Kick Tracy, and more. Music podcasts from all over North America will be recording on-site all weekend. Special pre-party featuring the rock and roll residency, The Talisman, 8-Ball, and Lipstick Generation on Friday night. Rock and Pod Expo on Saturday. Join us at the Nashville Airport Marriott August 9th and 10th for Rock and Pod. Podcast registration and tickets and VIP packages available now at rockandpod.com. Alrighty, so we will see you all on the next episode of the podcast. Andrew, tell people where they can find your stuff. Kiss my collectibles, collectibles with a K.com. Check us out there. Find us on Facebook and hope you enjoy Kiss at Midnight. And if there were Kiss colostomy bags, they would be with a K as well. So <laughs> don't forget to check out Kiss at Midnight on YouTube and Vimeo, a 1976 in concert special not brought to you by NBC. <laughs> so check it out. Thank you for uh, taking this trip through time with us. Let us know what you think about Kiss at Midnight. And check out Andrew at all of his shows, and we'll see you all on the next episode of Your Podcast. Say, see ya, Andrew. See ya, Andrew. <laughs> and that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at KissFAQ.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, 
Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. <laughs>